Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Drivers, start your engines! Hit the pace car! What for? Because you hit every other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you, and rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we go everything over everything in racing for the past week and preview next week. Joining me in the studio is Mr. Gray Warren, Mr. Richard Uden, and Mr. Joey Barnes. Fellas, how we doing tonight? Good, thank you. Terrific. Good. All right. So we're, we're, we're coming out of a, a very interesting weekend of racing. We had uh, NASCAR guys were at, po- were at uh, Bristol, and the IndyCar guys were at Pocono. Our, our winners this week are uh, Denny Hamlin in the Cup Series and Will Power in uh, the IndyCar Series. Uh, but let's, uh, let's start with this Pocono race at IndyCar, okay? This particular race has just really drawn out a lot of hyperbole, a lot of emotion, a lot of crazy comments, a lot of, you know, it's like it's a lot of speculation with uh, very little facts as as the facts come in. But, I mean, let's let's talk about the facts. Number one, Pocono is likely on the chopping block. You know, it's the, the, the races, they've lost ABC as, as the sponsor. The um, series is looking at Richmond. Uh, the track would like to stay. Um, they hope to put on a good show. They had a good crowd. Then we have a first lap incident, uh, five car shunt. Uh, we get uh, Rosenquist up in the wall. The other cars involved are uh, Tsukumasato, Rossi, Ryan Hunter Ray, and James Hinchcliffe. Um, so suddenly, uh, Pocono is too dangerous to race at. You know, turn two at Pocono is, as one writer put it quickly becoming the deadliest turn in all of IndyCar. Although, you know, by my calculations and research, turn two at Pocono, death toll is still zero. Um, you know, so you're bringing out all this stuff, and then everybody wants Takuma Sato's head delivered on a silver platter for, for causing this uh, because they're, uh, he's, he's going three wide into the turn, uh, which if you look at it, there's three wide on the straightaway well ahead of the turn. Uh, but the, the so and, and Takuma tries to defend himself on social media, and he gets crucified. And 
then, you know, a day later or two days later, uh, we're looking at more and more video evidence that maybe Takuma's not as bad as we thought he was. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, and then, you know, Pocono did not make themselves look any better by trying to repair the fence with a piece of gate and zip ties. So, uh, you know, people say maybe Pocono was cursed, right? I mean, you know, maybe Pocono was doing his own curse. I don't know. Joey, uh, you watch this, and, and Richard, you and I both know Takuma pretty well. And, Joey, you know Takuma pretty well. So let's, let's, just, let's attempt to break this down because trying to break this down from all the social media comments and the – um, articles coming out, both pro and con, is like navigating a minefield. But let's let's just try to like talk this through, and just stick with the plain and simple facts. Uh, uh, Joey, your take on lap one of Pocono? Uh, I think that obviously a lot of things are gonna gonna happen where you pile on, you know, opinion after opinion. Because this year is coming on the heels of what happened last year with Robert Wickens, and uh, you know, so obviously there's going to be uh, a lot of feelings, uh, a lot of residual resentment towards the track, towards racing there, and things like that because of that. Uh, obviously, that's it's justified. Can't say it's not. Uh, I will say that with this type of IndyCar, I think it's clear that the Universal Aero Kit. This era of IndyCar doesn't fit at Pocono, just in my own opinion. I look at it, and I, I also look at the fact that, you know, we had good racing during the manufacturer Aero Kid era at Pocono, and that was great. But when you look at the way the racing has been two years in a row at this track, it is such a high track position place that you have to get out all you can get on the restarts because it thins out. Look at the quality of racing we saw after the the restart happened, after we waited an hour and like 20 minutes or something like that, and finally got the green flag to go again. It was very spread out. Pagano led quite a bit. It wasn't until Will Power really mixed it up for the lead that we saw anything. The rest of of the the race was undercuts to pit road and trying to get good track position just based on your in-lap and out-lap and things of that sort. That's the only way that we saw real passing being created was through that. And that sounds, dare I say, F1-esque. And I, I think you look at this, the style of racing doesn't fit with what IndyCar is wanting to promote. And I think that when you see how we race everywhere – or else on the calendar it's great racing pocono just doesn't fit it. it it you know everything's so spread out and as far as the lap one incident because track position is so vital that's why you have guys on top of each other like that uh you know you're gonna fight like that because you know after two or three or five laps it's gonna thin out you're gonna have you know eight car lengths on the guy behind and in front of you so it's vital and let's be fair on this on this start of this thing this is a non-issue if Alexander Rossi gets a good start. You know, he he got a slow start off the off the line. We saw Joseph kind of speed away. We saw Pagano speed away. The on the inside line, the outside line got bogged down because Rossi couldn't get going, and it stacked up some of the some of the field. And as a result, he made his own luck by by falling backwards. Hunter Ray didn't help his teammate out by diving off coming coming out of one. Hunter Ray's trying to get all he can get because they're the key track position and how vital it is and at the middle of this all happening 
you've also got Dixon and Takuma and everybody's kind of around each other and you get the three wide effects. It's, it's a non-issue if the start's good. Um, but the start wasn't very good. And yeah, there were some, the there were some, uh, comments I read from folks at race control that maybe they shouldn't have thrown the green, let them go another time around. I, I, I don't know. Uh, the comment I read was from a, um, anonymous source so I, I mean take that as you mean it but uh, they were trying to attribute some to um our lion dyke said you know the start was crap the start was shit they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have thrown the green right then when they did but but i mean at, yeah. the, at the end of the day uh you know if they you, did call off the restart later yeah remember whenever they they got the restart they were trying to come back to green you know they did wave off that restart and made them go again and that was after that extended red flag period Right, right. So maybe they learned a lesson from the first one. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, uh, it, it really looked to me like uh, uh, several cars were really slow off the grid. Rossi being one, Ryan Hunter Ray being another, Graham Rahal being another, and there were some cars that were really fast getting off. Uh, you know, Simon, uh, Dixon, and Takuma for sure. And Takuma was tr- looked like he was trying to follow Dixon through. On that on that high line, when these other guys were just kind of, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it's all, I don't want to say Joseph brake checked the field, but, you know, because, you know, back when they said Will Power brake checked the field, the data showed he didn't. But it, it, it sure seemed like some of these guys got caught up, and then, so you got you got a faster line on the outside, and they all kind of got squeezed there, and, you know, at, at the end of the day, everybody is saying, oh, Takuma Sato needs a suspension. So now, yeah, uh, now Richard, yeah, no. now Richard, I want to bring you in this conversation. You know Takuma pretty well. I mean, and and you've you've watched this uh, replay time and time again. I mean, do you think that he's that his level of wrongdoing warrants a suspension? No. Okay. Good. Did you care to go. comment any further? I mean, at the end of the day, it's racing. It's not you know walking down a corridor holding a door open for somebody else. Um, you know these guys are. The, you know, some of the best in the world, and they're going to push the envelope. And the day that the drivers don't go for a gap that's there is the day they retire. And I, I find it very hard to, you know, very hard to believe that if the, the steering wheel was in the hands, as it were, um, you know, the guys criticizing uh, Sada, wouldn't, they wouldn't have gone for the gap. Um, if, a, you know, if, if you told your team boss, oh, I didn't want to go for the gap, I didn't think it was there, he'd rip you one you know <laughs> um so i um I, I don't i don't apportion any blame to him i think it's very unfair if people are uh, i think he's you know the guy knows what he's doing you know he's not a rookie here and uh yeah if they don't like it then uh, they can go and race somewhere else because that, as far as i was concerned he didn't do anything wrong there well yeah, you know I, when you get and you I also think... have townsend bale and uh and the other guy there in the uh tracy Paul Tracy uh, criticizing um, uh, Takuma, and and they're the ones that brought up the he should be suspended idea yeah, from the uh, from the te- from the television booth. I thought that was way out of line. Oh, you tell me, Paul Tracy's never caused a wreck. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, mean, here's, well, I think yeah, Paul Tracy was <laughs> Paul Tracy was trying to defend his own thing. He he got on Twitter and said he goes, "Hey, I got I got fined 50k." Why, why aren't you going after Takuma? I'm like, hey, you know, Paul, what you did 20 years ago in a car is not relevant to what's going on right now. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I want to, I don't, I want to say there's so much 
Joey, just give me one moment. Uh, there's so much of this emotion in here, right? And one of the first guys to, 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 to send a tweet, right? And he probably sent it before the car stopped spinning was Whit Wickens, right? Robert Wickens sends this tweet that says, how many times are we going to go through this? And, you know, the, the, the relationship between Pocono and IndyCar is toxic. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm like, wow, what a, what a knee-jerk reaction. And people will probably dislike me for saying this, but, uh, you know, I'm sorry. Robert Wickens has exactly one start at Pocono, right? His race lasted seven laps, and the accident he was in was, you know, somewhat caused by his own aggressive move on Hunter Ray. Uh, so for him to kind of like throw this out there for everybody to latch onto and say, and say, oh my God, we just need to abandon this place and never go back to this this death hole of Pocono is just uh, you know you're just you, you're creating you know you're you're creating this emotion that that's not so, based based on fact. Can so. I just let, let's, let's I just want to bring something up here. So in the last you know take the last couple of years uh, Indy. We've had Bourdais break his hip, could have ended his career. Uh, you had um, James Hinchcliffe almost bleed out in the middle of the track, uh, which could have been life-threatening. It was life-threatening. Um, and we've had, you know, one, okay, I know Justin Wilson lost his life at Pocono, but that could have happened anywhere. That wasn't Pocono's fault. Uh, you know, and obviously there's the Robert Wickens accident. Indy is just as dangerous as Pocono. Why aren't we calling for Indy to be scrapped as well, then? There you go. Yep, that's, that's, I, I, I that's the I mean, crux not, of the argument, you know, yeah. I, you know, I, think it, I think it's a product of how the drivers also race it. Because you got to think about this. When we're at Indy, you're giving drivers two and a half weeks, three weeks to prepare for that race. Um, and so you give them a ton of track time. And in this situation, whether it's right or wrong, and, and anybody's opinion is their own, but we, we give everybody a two-week break because the summer grind is exactly that. It's a heck of a grind. And after two weeks, you're coming to Pocono. So you go from sitting on the couch trying to relax, hanging with your family, and then, bam, you're in a, you're strapped in a, in a rocket. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Doing 230 with just even with the rain didn't do anybody any favors, but we were estimated to two hours practice and it was supposed to be spaced. We ended up with one two hour practice before we put everybody in a car and told them to go get it. So I, I think the preparation maybe could improve, but I also think that you're looking at drivers that approach Pocono completely different than they do Indy because there is a style that you race with Indy because we've learned it because this Universal Era kit has had so much time on that track. There's been, there's no comparison which one has way more track time, obviously with the month of May favoring Indy. But I think that uh, as a whole, it's just it doesn't make sense when you've got guys racing Pocono completely different, attacking it completely different. Um, and what I wanted to say earlier, I don't want to obviously get too caught up in it, but on the Takuma thing, 
obviously camera angles show the steering inputs from each driver. So, and, and that defended Takuma for his own, his own incident. But I'll say this is that even if you're in Takuma's shoes, you're still going into an entry that's only one and a half lanes wide in turn two. So you still have to prepare to narrow that corner up to take in the wide entry the same way that you would attack turn one at Indy. You have to, the way that we've seen him do those wide moves, those wide three, sweeping three wide moves that won the thing, he's, he's still going to have to approach that corner and try to do that. And in order to do that, you're going to have to make some sort of move at some point to put an input to get into that corner. And unfortunately, three wide, I don't care how wide the track is, damn sure don't work trying to get in a turn two when it's only one and a half groove. So somebody was going to have to give there, and at the end of the day, no one was going to give because of the vital track position of that place presents. But uh, no, I, Frank, I know that one of the things that was a big deal to you was the uh, the red flag safety innovations that we saw. So, I, oh, you mean the uh, the zip ties on the fence? I mean, you know, DIY, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like they should have. Been, I, I guess they try to do that. Uh, before I, I believe IndyCar officials came in there and helped them out with something different, uh, but 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 that image on Twitter does nothing to that image of them sticking a gate there does nothing to uh, you know enhance the argument that we should stay at Pocono. Well, I mean, and, and I'm and, 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 I, and I'm a Pocono supporter. I love the track, and and to Joey's point. I would love to see more practice time. You know, I, I hate the fact that we got rained out. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, they're doing nothing to help themselves when you see stupid stuff like that. Well, you, they're reducing practice time everywhere. I mean, even they've even reduced – you get more at Indy than, than you do at other tracks, but it's still greatly reduced from what it was six years ago. But um, – you know, I just, Pocono, the whole event was has been star-crossed there since since they went back, and and, I, and it's such a shame because they had a what I thought was a pretty good crowd there uh, for this thing, and I and I, when I saw the crowd at the beginning of the race, I thought, well, you know, this is this this may be good for IndyCar, you know, they they need to, you know, as we talked last week, they're in that northeast market with. New York and, uh, you know, only a, a couple hours away, and they need to be in that area. They need to be there. And I think it's it's a shame if they uh, if they get rid of that race. And I mean, if they keep going every time they have some bad luck at a place, they're not going to have any many tracks left that they're going to race at. They, what, they've, uh, they've, di- they've ditched Vegas. They've ditched uh, Pocono. And they've ditched California. Now, of course, you know, we've debated here on this show many times about the, 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 the future of ovals, you know, in the IndyCar series, but uh, it's got to stop somewhere. I mean, you've got to come up with something where you can, where you can, can if your series is going to grow and continue to grow and, and, and you're trying to get a toehold, you know, uh, to get, to gain viewership, uh, you got to figure something out. I mean, yeah, but Pocono, in many ways was kind of there in my opinion as kind of a, a rebound or a, a fill in to help serve with Watkins Glen and the fallout that was that, that short bit. I, I think that when you, when you look at the Midwest market, I don't want to get on a big track 
standpoint, because I know that we do that quite often on this show whenever I get on board. But, uh, you know, we've gone to Gateway. Cool. Could market. We've, we've got the St. Louis deal situated. We're good in Indy. We need to be going to Kentucky. We see the mile and a half race well. You see the rate. I know I'm going to be a homer here because I'm from Texas, but to me, Texas was the race of the year so far. And I think you look at the fact that we're going to add Richmond probably in the near future. Well, we can compare that with Iowa. There's really not anything we can compare with Pocono, and it's really out in the boonies. It's kind of out in, out in the middle of nowhere, and it's in many ways a little difficult for a lot of I know it's close to a number of different major cities, but it's still not the easiest thing for everybody to get to. And in today's day and age, people would rather turn on their TV than drive 200 miles to go to a racetrack. So, uh, you know, and obviously an hour and 20-minute red flag doesn't do anybody any favors to keep no. TV viewership engrossed into the product. So there's some some tweaks. We're close, man. We're really close to having something that is just can't turn away elite. But I do think that there's some tweaks that are needed, and I think one of those tweaks is probably not going to Pocono and, re- and finding ways to, to get to Kentucky, finding ways to make sure Richmond happens. Uh, those to me make sense, um, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, but we still need that presence in the Northeast. It, you know, interestingly well, enough, you, they said that one one third of the country's population are within two hours of Pocono, right? So, you know, I mean, so what are we gonna? Move, what what else where, we have up but there? Where are they, Frank? Huh? But uh, where yeah, are they? Not not at the track. Um, so, so like why, I said, but why does so, it matter if we go there or not? Because it's a huge market. Because it's a huge market, and they need to they need to get an event somewhere up there in the Northeast. I mean, whether it be Pocono or Watkins Glen or you know New Hampshire, uh, something up there in the Northeast. There's no presence for the series in the North Northeast whatsoever. Um, I mean, they need totally to, they need to find an, a, a, So would I. I love Watkins Glen. It's one of my favorite tracks in the world. But they need to find an event and make it work. And the, the 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 relationship between IndyCar and the Glen is so on again, off again. Oh, we need this date. You can't have this date. It, it's just silly. Um, they should they they IndyCar should say, you know, Watkins Glen. What would you like? Let us give it to you. Because if you look at their NASCAR event, there, right? It's it's you know Stone Cold sellout every year. Uh, you know, based based on the date and date equity, if they could start building something there at Watkins Glen rather than being there two years here, two years there. Well, oh, oh, help us out, help us out on the fly because uh, Boston fell through. Yeah. You know, and, and put on a race in three weeks for us. Uh, you know, it's you know if we could just get together and work together because I know I, I know Mike Printup is the president of Watkins Glen. He's, I, I, I speak with him occasionally. They would love to have the IndyCar series there. The just, IndyCar just needs to kind of be a little more open about what they're doing. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you know, if if we if we run into a situation where, as we keep hearing it, NASCAR is going to fuse their dates together, double header weekends, back to backs, things like that. If that situation can play itself out at a place like Michigan. That certainly helps the opportunity for IndyCar to go back to Michigan if there is an interest at all. I, the racing would obviously be pretty pretty hairy, um, as we know from Fontana. But you know, I, I I think that I think overall it's just a matter of making sure that we keep what we have for the most part. 
and you you cut what uh, you well not cut, but you tweak what you need to tweak. And I think right now, I'm not negating that we don't need uh, a place in the north northeast. My only thing is, is I don't care how big the market size is, if they're not going to go to the track, we just don't need to be there. And you know, yeah, we saw an increase in in certain things, but. I think there's something to Richmond. I think there's something to going where the TV viewership is high on IndyCar. And as you, if you look at the TV numbers, Richmond is certainly up in the top five, top eight uh, of television markets that tune into IndyCar racing. And so to me, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, think, yeah. I think IndyCar needs to develop some continuity because they, they, they're, they're hit and miss. You know, they, for they used to have a presence in the Northwest, and they went away, and now they're going back to Portland. They used to have a presence in the Southwest, and now they don't have a, have a presence really in the Southwest now with Phoenix and, and and California gone. They have nothing in the Southeast right now. Richmond could come back. Uh, well, they've got Alabama. Home, well, yeah, Alabama Homestead Homestead has 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 come and gone. I just wish you know they could. Uh, it seems like they're constantly experimenting, but they don't give, like you said, Frank, time to come in and nurture and develop uh, develop a a following or a base in a certain area. Obviously, you're going to have some weather issues from time to time in these in, in, in different locales, and you're going to have to to market each individual race in those areas. You're going to have to work with the people that that you know the promoters of the race to do it. But I think they're too quick to pull the trigger a lot of times before they when they abandon it, and it, it leads to all this flux in the schedule uh, each year. I mean, you know, you've got Indy and you've got uh, uh, Mid Ohio and, and and some really good tracks that that you know they do well at, but they've got to expand from that base or that core track that you know that they're going to go to every year they've got to be able to expand from that if the series is going to grow uh like it needs to yeah, i think they do that a little yeah. bit already it's just a matter of financially it's it's tough to put things you have to have things short-lived sure. in many ways because of how much everything costs in racing, right? Oh, but sure, sure. I, I think when you look at the schedule, there is a good base there. I think it's just a matter of making sure the pieces you add are pieces you can keep. You know, Coda was was a pretty good race uh, back in March, and it's in a good market. Austin's a pretty good up-and-coming market. I mm-hmm. think Portland, going back to Portland, makes sense. Laguna here uh, next month makes sense. Gateway makes a lot of sense. So there's been some really good key additions, and, you know, Let's be let's be honest. For every two or three successes, you're probably going to have one lame duck. And oh, sure. you know, yeah. so you know, it's just a matter of trying to make sure you, you don't keep the lame ducks around when they're not necessary. And that's, I think, that's all it comes down to. Absolutely. Now, Joey, you wanted to circle back to the safety aspects of Pocono. Yeah, I was actually kind of wondering. Maybe y'all got some insight on this, but. Do you think part of the reason why the protocol for Pocono to do a fence like that, and this is only me asking a question. I don't pretend to assume or know or anything like that because uh, I'd probably get, uh, you know, chastised for it. But uh, why is the protocol to fi- to repair a fence 
Why was that the idea in place in the first place? I, I understand that Pocono is more of an independent track. It's not on the SMI ISC kind of kind of band, so to speak. But that just looked very like we should be better than that, right? Well, it's 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 a patch to begin with. It's not it's not you're not going to to go back and and, and fix that fence. And, and, and appearances look bad. I, I'll, I'll grant you there. But you got to look. It's in a patch to begin with. It's got to be put up because if you really want to fix it right, come back tomorrow and race. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna. You're not gonna fix it that easily when there when there's when there's an issue. Well, I, I understand it, having a patch, but I'm saying that type of patch. Yeah, when you I look know. At the way that Daytona. Yeah. You know, Daytona has got more speed, and we see better patches put up. Is that just because it's Daytona, well, or is that I've, because it's? I've seen some pretty rough looking patches at Daytona, and obviously, it's all going to look rough compared to to where to, to to the finished product, obviously. But yeah, that 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 did did not give a good appearance. But I mean, obviously, they you know they um they couldn't fix the mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing chumba casino this year i was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true chumba casino is america's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life-changing amounts of cash be like mary log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Fence like it needed, like it completely needed to be, and you weren't going to do that unless you stop the race and, like I said, come back tomorrow. I, I don't know if, if there's an easy answer in, in that at all. It just seems that um, the Indy car, by their nature, they get up in the air, they get they get they get airborne there, and they start shedding parts. And of course, part of that uh, deal is. Uh, open wheels get up in those fences and that that's what tears them apart you see it from time to time in nascar every once in a while when one of the cars gets up in the fence on the high speed tracks like daytona but uh you know it's 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 few and far between i don't know that you can have a complete system that is that is you know fail safe or foolproof they you know they they got to give a little bit because if they if they don't they're going to kill people you know what I'm saying in the cars. So they've got to dissipate a little bit to to that to that point. But I don't know if there's an easy answer to that, Joey. I really don't. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've read a lot of comments that said maybe the maybe the safer barrier on the backside of Pocono should be you know twice as high as on the front side because uh, number one, there's no grandstands there, right? So you're not blocking anybody's view. Uh, but we have seen you know cars get in the fence. Uh, I, I mean. You know, Rosenkvist really, he rode the wall. He really did get in the fence, but he he, he contacted the fence enough to damage it. Uh, now, Wickens, year before, certainly got in the fence and, and tore it up and it tore his car up. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, it, it's not a bad idea to make that safer barrier twice as high on the backside because, you know, there's no grandstands there. Well, not, if, yeah, for, that mean, matter, for that matter, you don't even need the fence if he's just going to. You know, if you're gonna go, but obviously there. Well, I, you don't want the guy to go flying into the woods. Well, exactly. I guess, right? Yeah, that's that's Jim Clark. Well, yeah, sure. without going too crazy with it, I guess here's here's where I was wanting to get at is number one, surely somebody out there has thought of this before. 
Uh, I'm not <laughs> the, the guy to. I'm not the guy to do it. Obviously, I don't have the education for it. But I, I you know, why not mandating different types of patches for yeah. fences for accidents like what we had last year, like what we had this year. That's number one. Number two, it feels like there was still a lack of preparation because of the product that we saw to repair the fence. Mm -hmm. And this is a lack of preparation after we know what these cars are capable of yeah. due to what we saw last year. Those are the two points I wanted to make is that I feel like there should be something mandated either by the series or by the tracks universally across every single track, not just independent tracks, but across SMI, ISC, I feel like there should be different types of patchworks that are already in place. You know, throw them in the shed that's stored at the track. Yep. Have a safety team be able to run and go get it and bring it back or construction team because we know that that's where they put all their cones and look for traffic and all these things. You could easily have those things stored there. Have everything there at the ready so you don't have to go to Home Depot and then come back and then mm -hmm. put something up in the fence. We should cast your mind back, what, three years ago maybe? Uh, to Silverstone and uh, Kimi Raikkonen had a big shunt on the farm straight or whatever it's hanger straight yep. or whatever, not hanger straight farm straight I think isn't it and he actually sized one of the armco barriers and they had the full set of tools there to literally they dug a new fence post and rebuilt the armco in the space of you know I mean it took them half an hour or an hour or whatever but the standard of repair is set up by the FAA that it is the same as the original fence. So if the same thing happens 30 minutes later, you have the same outcome. I mean, yep. I dread to think what would have happened if somebody had hit that wall again or that fence again. You know, they would have been, you know, they would have been in the trees. There's no way that thing would have held up. Well, yeah, That's it would have already been compromised. away from the whole week and all the issues, not the fact there was the accident, because you know, at the end of the day, racing is dangerous, and as much as we all like to sort of, you know, say it's not the case, people do turn up to watch racing for the accidents. It's just human nature. Um, and, you know, it's, it was the response to the accident in terms of the work they did on the track, and that's where Formula One has maybe got the lead um, in that, you know, when you look at what happens at the track, it's every track is the same. They all run to the same standards. They all have the same ideas. You know, you don't see, and I'm maybe a bit harsh to be calling this, but you don't see amateur hour where there's people running around, as you say, running off to Home Depot, seeing if anybody's got a loyalty card to get some bonus points. Uh, you know, trying to put a fence together that's supposed to stop a car at 200 and something miles an hour. You know, it's, it's funny that you said something in that, though, that, that kind of resonates. Obviously, the entire entire thing that you said was valid uh, with the FIA and mandated parts, and maybe that's something that could be executed over here. But also, talking about the element of danger, we're over here trying to figure out, you know, our opinion of should Pocono stay or go. There's, there's – it's a very – it's a very divided community right now because you got people that want to see Pocono go. you got people that want to see it stay. And all of it's related to the element of danger of it. You know, all of us are attracted to racing because of the element of danger. And like you said, Richard, we're going to keep tuning in because we want to know, you know, how how much on edge are these guys going to be? We don't want to see anybody get hurt. We don't want to see any fatalities and things like that. But we want to see these these drivers in these cars tested. And, you know, unfortunately, I, I think we've hit that point, though, Richard, where is Pocono a place that you want to keep seeing them be tested at, especially whenever you've got safety innovations that seem to be 
that. Mm-hmm. I, I and that's that's kind of the the reason why I'm okay with not going to Pocono. Honestly, if that's if that's what we get from from uh, that situation, I I don't think that it, it's bad if we don't go back because I want to go somewhere that's going to take care of our drivers. I want to go somewhere that's going to help take care of of the fans just as much too. And uh, it doesn't really feel like everything was quite as great in that situation. So, so um, okay. So, so then, then you, you also raised the question here. So if the drivers don't want to race at these tracks, mm-hmm. then nobody's holding, you know, look at Max Chilton. He's turned around and said, uh, no, thanks guys. <laughs> that ain't for me. And, you know, he proved it right this weekend. You know, there's nobody holding a gun to these guys' heads to go out and make them do it, to go out there and make them, them race. They do it because they know the risks, they accept the risks, and they do it because they love doing it. And part of the reason they do it is for the risk. Um, you know, I mean, and, but, but isn't that kind of like a, a – I don't want to call it a sucker's move, but, like, let's be honest – it's kind of funny all this stuff going down this weekend with the championship and and the willpower breaking a winless streak and and this subject has dominated yeah. our show. I I think the the kicker here is okay. Let let's go with your theory real quick. Let's say that there are some drivers that boycott the race. You know, let's say it's Indianapolis F1 so many years ago with the tire mm-hmm. tire gate. Um. So some drivers elect not to race, some do. Well, let's say one of those drivers that says no is a championship contender, and let's say the other one is the points leader. Well, mm-hmm. points leader is going to keep racing. Championship challenger runner-up right now with four races to go says no. I, I think it's too risky. Well, look at Nicky Lauda. Yeah, well, and that's that's where I was going with yeah. it. Is you know, so I, I think it's a situation where you're you're put into that situation where if the leader goes, you have to go, right? Because you can't afford to lose a championship for it. Now, at the same time, you can't afford to, to risk injury or even your life. Uh, but at the same token, like you said, these guys, every time they strap in the car, they understand the risks, but there are some risks in my opinion that aren't necessary. Um, so, um, I, I just feel like you're kind of forced to do it if you're if you're battling for a championship. Like if Newgarden says, "Hey, I'm going," well, that kind of forces Dixon and Rossi and Pagano and everybody else that maybe is a little iffy about going. That kind of puts them in a situation where they have to. Um, yeah, but you, so. you you do you look at I mean if you look at oh, I'm trying to think now top of my head the last three you know <clears throat> driver retirement should we say that have been caused by accidents at, at tracks you know you obviously had um you know dan weldon and you know and, and justin wilson tragically and also you had Robert wickens and dario franchiti now you know darius was at a road course mm-hmm. you know now because of that one accident are we now turning around and saying that you know we shouldn't go to road you know that style of road course well uh, actually ironic we don't go to don't. houston anymore that I, happened in but is 2013 it, is, it for that, is it for that reason or is it I'm sure it's not. So no, no, no. The, we're not at Houston because it's financial. Yeah. I mean, they, so, they, they, they couldn't afford to put it on anymore. Now, you know, like Frank Keaty's accident was, uh, honestly, it was a culmination of a couple of other accidents of where he he possibly could have returned to racing, 
but um, you know, his doctors told him, hey, you know, you've had a couple of concussions One here. More. One more. And the same. It's the same thing that took Junior out of racing. Yeah. Okay. You know, the, the same. It's the same thing that that they, the doctor told Neil Bonnet, and he did not take their advice, and tragically lost his life at Daytona. They told him, you know, one more, one more big hit uh, with the concussions you've had. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, the you know, Frankie's accident at Houston was was pretty scary. It was. Oh yeah. Reminiscent of the the crash at uh, Toronto years ago yep. that took the life of Jeff Krosnoff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and that was again car getting you know cheese grated in the in the cash yeah. plastic. So I will say this to kind of move away from this subject that's dominated the show. How about the fact that Will Power did break his winless streak and kind of had that attitude of screw it, today's the day, and we saw that version of Will Power that just flipped the switch, the one that we've waited all season to see. We saw. Is there a chance here? That if he brings this willpower for the last three races, three remaining races, that he could put himself into the championship conversation come Laguna. I don't like, know that. I don't realistic? know. I don't know that he's, uh, you know, close enough to the to the those top guys to get into the win the title conversation. But he certainly has got that monkey off his back of not winning a race since Indy last year, and it was, uh, you know, and I'm I'm a big fan of Will. I I. I have a lot of respect for the guy. Uh, I was so happy to see him win. Um, but but the other the other guy that really impressed me um, was Santino. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, once again, just like at Indy, he drives through the melee, drives through the wreck, unscathed, and has a great race. Um, and and here's a kid who was often maligned, you know, in his earlier <laughs> earlier life. Uh, but he's really He's really caught on with uh, with the IndyCar fans. People are gravitating towards him. He, he, I mean, he's a. I had a chance to speak with him in May. I mean, he's a he's a good dude. He's very apologetic for the nonsense in Formula Two, but man, the guy has some skills. I mean, I, I think that there's a handful of things where you're just in the right place at the right time. Dose could have just as easily gone the other way if he was just on the other side, if he was on the inside or the outside of the track of things, if he was just flipped in a different position based on who was next to him, if they were just rotated. So I'm going to calm down a little bit on going with you on that on that fun train there. But uh, I, I do think he's had a good season. I don't think all the rookies this year have been ridiculously amazing, him included. But I think that you know, the reason he's in the position he is is because he's been able to keep it clean and to finish first, you must first finish, right? I, I think his ability to be where he is in the championship standings right now is the inability, and even in the rookie race, is the inability of Felix and Colton to close deals. I, I think it just comes Yeah, I mean, I mean Col- Colton for sure. I mean, he he came so strong out of the box winning, winning at Coda, but... Yeah. The rest well, of the and then there's has a been, you know, three-race just, it, drought that, that Felix yeah. had. I mean, let's not forget about St. Pete. He would have won the thing if not for getting kind of screwed on the on the undercut, so to speak. Uh, and he would have won in his debut race. So I, I, you look at that, you look at some of these races, Texas, Colton was ridiculous. And if not for Colton and Dixon getting together and having a caution come out with, uh, what, 30 laps left to go while fighting for second, 
Santino was running like 11th or 10th at the time. The restarts kind of what helped propel him to get up and even the conversation of a top five. So, you know, it's well, taking, sure, but but I mean, let's let's say, you know, Santino's in a coin car, right? Yeah. Felix is in the Ganassi car. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, the, the mean, kid is the kid is making the most of uh, what he's been given, and he's I mean, really. I, I mean, what, he's, what, he's he's making hay very very well. I guess, but at what point can we stop calling a coin car making it sound like a coin car is not a good car? I mean, ever since uh, we've I mean, seen I mean, Bourdais, Bourdais ever since we've seen Bourdais come over there, along with uh, uh, yeah, Craig, Craig Hampson and yeah, and Craig so, Hampson. But, uh, They've been on fire like the way that Newman Haas used to run back in the day when they were a team. So, you know, I, I honestly firmly believe that if not for him getting a little too overambitious on his qualifying round at, at Indy a couple of years ago, I actually firmly think that, that Bourdais, that car, was so thoroughly massaged. That car was going to be a player for that win no matter what the situation um, until obviously he wrecked it in qualifying and we know the rest. But, um They've improved their program a lot, and I honestly think that the coin program, in some ways, is better than, quite honestly, the second car at Chip Ganassi Racing because we've never seen the second car at Chip Ganassi Racing do anything since Dario was in it. So this, this is true. This is true. So, yeah, so I I firmly think that it's kind of been an R and D car for the most part, and I'm I'm happy to see Felix do better. I'm happy to see him raise the program overall. And, and help boost it to where we're not just thinking about Scott Dixon when we think about Chip Ganassi racing anymore. But, uh, yeah, we got to give a little bit more respect to Dale Coyne and what they've been able to build over there for sure. All right. So uh, that being said, we're off the gateway because we, we need to get some time in to uh, talk about the NASCAR race at Bristol. Uh, but uh, let's make some quick picks for a uh, gateway. Uh, last year's winner was uh, New Garden, who – May made a quick pass on Simon at the end. So, uh, uh, Joey, who do you like for a gateway this year? Power. And Gray, who do you like for gateway this year? Uh, Richard, who do you like for gateway? You go. All right. Gray, are you, are you with me? Yeah, yeah. I'm okay. with you. I'm sorry. Uh, you want to make a pick for Great well, Gateway? I, I, was, I, I was going to say New Garden, but uh, uh, gosh. Hmm. Oh, let's see. Who's going who's gonna to rebound? Who's going to be tough there? Oh, gosh. I think a Penske car will win it. Um, uh, Paginot. Isn't, hasn't Penske won every oval race this year so far? Uh... Now you're not going to make me try to think about that. So, I mean, but, uh, Indy, Texas. Indy, Texas. Iowa. Who won Iowa? Now, New, New Garden. Garden. New Garden, yeah, right? So, yeah. so you got that, and then you got, uh, obviously, Poker now. So, yeah, Tipinski's won every oval this year. Okay, so I'm going to go with Dixon for Gateway and say he breaks that Penske thing. But uh, uh, Gray? Um, NASCAR was at uh, Bristol, um, the night race, one of the, the neatest races of the year. And um, Denny Hamlin took the win, but uh, Matt Benedetto was the hero of the day. Man, this guy led the most laps. After getting the news, he was released by his team for next year. Um, you know, it's kind of a 
kind of a sad little story for this guy, but he's certainly uh, building a nice resume for uh, hopefully somebody to pick this guy up next year. Well, he's auditioning every time he gets in the car now for a ride for next year, and and of course he he uh, really helped his lot there with his performance at, at Bristol on Saturday night, and it, and it started in qualifying and in practice. He was quick in practice, uh, decent in qualifying, and uh, and uh, you know ran near the front and up front, did what you want a, a, a driver to do and a team to do have their car up near the front running it running the condition and being able to capitalize on the uh on the events as as they unfold and he did he did that um just didn't have quite enough to hold off denny hamlin hamlin was your pole sitter ran good ran into a little bit of trouble uh uh during the race but was able to rally back and put himself in position to uh to win at the end but the the whole story was uh Matt DiBenedetto, he, uh, you know, it was well publicized, like you just said, Frank, that he's going to be losing his ride next year, which is, which is part of a Joe Gibbs and Toyota move. Uh, Toyota has so much talent uh, in their stable right now. They've got to uh, find places to put uh, these up and comers. And, you know, you've got guys like Christopher Bell that they've got to uh, uh, find a home for and, and, and a seat in Cup Series. And uh, Matt was just kind of uh, left on the outside looking in. But like I said, he's auditioning every time he gets in the car the remainder of the year in that 95. And, and I'm thinking, you know, he's he's got some car owners that are going to seriously look his way when it comes time to make decisions for next year. So uh, I think Matt's going to Matt's going to, you know, he's in a good place. Uh, he'll he'll do well. Uh, Certainly proved he can run it, but Bristol was a good was a good show uh, for NASCAR. The crowds kind of came back to Bristol after a dismal showing there in the spring. Uh, really good crowd there, and of course the night race is a different animal. It, it, it's always well attended and brings back uh, brings back a lot of the a lot of the crowd, and and and, and that's a tradition race, and it's one of the. Uh, one of the more prestigious races, you know, on the NASCAR schedule, the Bristol Night Race, and then everybody, every driver, and every team wants that win on their resume. So, uh, but a good show all in all uh, for that, and I think uh, fans came away pretty happy with uh, with uh, you know the race there. I think a lot of people wanted to see Matt pull it out in the end, but uh, uh, he he certainly gave them a gave him something to cheer about. I got, yeah, a, I got so a quick question. Go, go right in there, Richard. So is you know he's, he's been a little bit under the radar. Is Denny Hamlin a serious championship contender? I think right now you would have to say he's got four wins on the season. Uh, started off the year winning at Daytona. Uh, he, he's picked up uh, picked up wins uh, all during the course of the year. So he's got four wins. He's right there with his teammates Truex and Kyle Busch. And I think if you had to say going into the playoffs today, yeah, I mean he's he's uh, you know was close a few weeks back at uh, New Hampshire could have could have easily had five wins there had he decided to take out uh, Harvick there late in the race, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. but he chose to race him a little bit clean and, and, and ended up taking a second place. But but yeah, I think uh, I think you'd have to say that. Uh, Joe Gibbs uh, team, one of those Joe Gibbs teams, uh, they have to be the odds-on favorite to, uh, to 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 win it all. But uh, yeah, you know, Kyle's, 
Kyle's kind of fallen off a little bit. He hasn't uh, has he's had some good runs and had some bad luck kind of stymie some of his stuff. Uh, Truex has been been pretty tough throughout the whole thing, and, and Denny's been right there. And uh, you've got uh, that's uh, twelve wins between the three cars right now, sitting at uh, sitting at that, getting with uh, two races to go before we go into the playoffs. So yeah, I, would, I think you'd have to say any of those three would be. Uh, would be uh, favorites to, to, to win it all. Yeah, and this is Denny coming off of a season last year where, we, where he went winless for the first time in in a couple of years. So uh, a nice rebound for Denny. But let's talk about the guys at, at the bottom. Uh, the, the chase bubble is getting smaller. We had uh, Jimmy Johnson has now dropped four spots behind the bubble. Um, and Boyer's outside the bubble. Um, so it's Suarez is outside. So, uh, who do you think is, uh, got a good shot of, of these guys on the outside looking in to kind of like sneak in there? Or do you think we're, we're just about done? Well, Jimmy's due. Jimmy hadn't, he hadn't shown speed all year long. He, he's had flashes of it from time to time, but you know, Darlington is a, can, he's won there before, uh, you know, and that's essentially what's going to have to happen. Uh, for Jimmy to get in the chase now, he's going to have to win uh, Darlington or Indy, and, and he's won both, both tracks, and we know he can get it done there. Uh, never, never say never. Uh, you know, he could he could squeak in with a with a win and and, and move himself into position to uh, to get in. Uh, pretty much, you're looking at the same scenario for for uh, Boyer and uh, Suarez needing to win. I think Newman, who's right there just above it, has done what he's needed to do uh, the last few races is just kind of be steady and, and, and bring home a decent finish to kind of garner points. And, other, and of course, his competition has had, has had trouble and has helped him. Uh, you know, uh, Newman uh, drew, drew the, the ire of the fans, you know, for, for not for racing uh, Matt DiBenedetto really hard there late in the race when De Benedetto was coming up to lap him. But you got to look at Newman's uh, Newman's position. You know, Newman didn't, didn't want another guy winning a race because if that happened, you know, the way the chips fall, that could have very easily bumped him out had he had trouble in the next two races. So, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's racing for his life and he didn't, he wasn't going to lay over and let, let another car come. And it's not his job to do that. His job is to, race race hard every lap and and he did that so i think a lot of the 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 blame that some of the fans putting on newman you know we all know he's a tough pass that that's you know that's that's just his nature but i think a lot of that blame was 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 ill-founded but uh well yeah when you look at it yeah if if the better wins the race then that that's one less spot in the chase. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So he's right that, there on that bubble. So yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Newman knows what he's doing there. He's like, I'm not letting this guy ahead of me. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. good stuff. So, yeah, good stuff. So so he's you know he's doing it. You got uh, a few other guys right there flirting with that bubble too. But I guess the main the the principles there are Boyer, Jimmy, and Suarez, and 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 Newman right there on, on that 16th place bubble. But I think like I said. Uh, a couple, three of those guys have, have pretty much got a win in the next two races to transfer. All right, so we've got a, we've got a week off. 
And NASCAR coming up, correct? And then we're then yep. we're at mm-hmm. uh, then we the Southern 500 is next on the schedule. Yeah. Uh, Richard, we've got two more weeks off in Formula One, or one more? Yeah, two more, I think. Two more. Okay, yeah. So uh, interesting Formula One story. I <laughs> I read a article that came from a Spanish newspaper that said uh, um, that uh, Alonso turned down Red Bull. Red Bull. Uh, Asked Alonso uh, if he would go ahead and take, um, you know, t- take take the seat from Pierre Gasly, and he told them no. Um, is there any credence to that, or is that just Spanish newspapers making up? That's uh, probably Alonso liking the sound of his own voice again. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'm just wondering. So. I mean, it would again. It's that sort of ultimate fan fantasy, isn't it? You know, um, <clears throat> but I can't. You know, I, I just don't see it happening, unfortunately. Oh, like I said, we'll, it was reported. We'd all love to see it, I think, wouldn't we? But uh, well, it yeah, was I, reported by one Spanish newspaper and nowhere else in the world, so I don't, yeah. you know, think there's any credence to it. So we, we that, did that, see that we, show. It was 2007 McLaren, Richard. Oh yeah, no. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, guys, I I believe we are just about out of time. So, uh, uh, so no picks for NASCAR next week. Formula One's off. Um, Indy's going to be a gateway next week, but I want to thank you, Gray. I want to thank you, Joey. I want to thank you, Richard. And I want to thank uh, Who's the Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio and Spreaker and all you folks that listen to us week in and week out. Uh, till next week, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Podcasting is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Introducing the science of a podcast, hosted by Spreaker from iHeart. This weekly podcast looks at the many sides of the podcasting industry, from success, growth, and technology to the varying challenges we all face. This is one podcast about podcasting you don't want to miss. New episodes launch every Tuesday. Listen to the science of a podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.